Chris Watkin back again for another video in my series, Estate Agency Stories. And today I'm joined by Wendy Peterman, very well known in the industry, a London estate agent of many years. Uh, thanks for joining me today, Wendy. Thanks for inviting me. What I'd like to do, is, you know, estate agency has been in your family blood for almost forever, but you came to estate agency quite late. So what I'd like to do, Wendy, is talk about your story, uh, your childhood, uh, your original job and how you found a state agency and the trials and the tribulations of running a family business because there's going to be a lot of people watching this you know spinning not only running your own business but spinning the plates of relationships in in a family uh must cause some very interesting interactions so yeah. and what you've learned over the years to, to deal with that so we can teach the boys and girls out there in the state agency land and letting okay. agency land. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Good stuff. Okay, so um, let's roll the clock back. When you were a teenager, did you want to be an estate agent? No, no. Had your dad and uncle already started the estate agency um, at this I point? I think they they had just started. They started the estate agency in the sixties. So yes, um, but I wasn't really aware of. Well, I didn't really take any notice of what they were doing. They didn't really talk about it to us. So I was too busy being a teenager. Um, how many uh, how many siblings did you have? One. Just the one. Yeah. Oh. And brother or sister? Sister. sister. sister yeah. Older She's or younger? Two, two years younger, just under two years younger. So you're the big me. sister then. I am the big sister. So you protect her and... I was very bossy. And what did, as you were being brought up, what did your mother and father teach you as a child? What skill sets? The, and, I, and this goes with me through my whole life. The one thing that they taught me was treat other people how you would like to be treated. And I think out of all the lessons that I've learned, that's the one I carry with me at all times, and it's really important. Um, my mum didn't work while we were growing up. She did eventually go back to, uh, she was a, a manicurist, but uh, my dad worked seven days a week. I hardly ever saw him while we were growing up. He, he worked very, very long hours, um, and his work ethic was phenomenal, and I think that's the other thing that both my sister and I have got from them is, you know, you do a job, you do it properly. We don't half do anything. With your dad working seven days a week, do you think you missed out on anything of, with your childhood? Probably. Um, I mean, until I was about seven, I didn't see, I didn't see my dad, but he was out before we woke up. He was back. Um, that was before he was in the property business. He, they ran a sweet shop in um, Charing Cross Road. Um, and then once, once they kind of transferred to over to the property business he didn't work such long hours and we did you know we had family holidays we did stuff together i don't think i suffered he, he... okay so your dad taught you hard work yeah definitely what specifically did your mum teach you kindness tidiness um she's the politest person that you will ever meet um She's just a lovely lady. So if I'm as lovely as her, I'll be very happy. You've still got your parents now? I luckily have both my parents and I adore them. 
lovely. It's a lovely thing to have for your dad's 19. How old, how old is your mum? 85. Now? 85, that's good. And time. they're amazing. My dad still plays golf. They go on cruises. They go on holidays. They're very active. My mum visits all of her friends who don't have their husbands. She's always out. They do a lot of charity work, which is the other thing, actually, that we learnt from them is, you know, to look after people that aren't as lucky as you are. So with a good foundation, yeah. you went to Secretarial College, which, I mean, they don't exist anymore nowadays, <laughs> do they? <laughs> Did you want to be a secretarial? No, I didn't. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Honestly, I think it's really tough to ask a 16-year-old or seven, what they think they're going to do for the rest of their life. Who, who knows? But... Um, Mum said to me, go to Secretarial College, because I did, and at least you come out and you can do something. So I went to Secretarial College. Can I had touch type? I can touch type. I type very quickly. I still can. I can remember a few bits and pieces of shorthand, but I never was that good at it. Um, I had an absolute ball. It was just hilarious. But I did go, and I did come out with a RSA qualification and... Um, went to work in the excitement of wood pulp importing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I didn't in know the accounts a... department. Wow. I can even remember that, and it's a long time ago. I can even remember the name of the company. What did, um, what did you learn? So you must have been working there in the 70s. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was so boring. What, what did you learn? Did, had, had you met your future husband by, at this point? or No. You were, um, young, you were young, free and single and ready to Actually, I had met my... I met my first husband what, um, when I went... Just before I went to um, secretarial college. Um, so, yeah, I had met him. I met him, what, obviously, I was 16 when I met him. Um, yeah, so I had met him. But you met him, but you you weren't you weren't romantically involved. So, I, I believe that you ended up going into advertising in yeah. the late seventies. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. So but I they was were in the. Um, that was amazing. I was in this wool pulp importing company, typing in the accounts department. Bored out your school. Absolutely, it was so boring. Um, and his brother worked in an advertising agency and I was moaning obviously one day about how bored I was and he said I'll see if I can get you a job. That was nice. Yeah so I ended up going to work in this particular advertising agency as a secretary. More, more in central London? It was um, an agency called Yellowhammer I think and it was in East London so it was near the um, hospital near the Blind Beggar pub. And you, did you enjoy that? Yeah, it was okay, but I was still, it was okay. Um, I was still a secretary. I think I just didn't like being a secretary. It was really boring. Why did you then pack up your bags and go traveling around so, Asia in 1980 then? Um, because that's what my future husband wanted to do. And so you, by this time you become romantically we Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other story. But yes, we had been engaged and we got unengaged. And he said, let's go traveling. So that's what we did. So we literally put our backpacks on and um, traipsed through Southeast Asia, which was amazing in the 80s. Are you glad you did that? Yeah, absolutely. What did you learn when you were out there? Uh, not to trust anybody. <laughs> um, Look at a bigger picture, 
live for the day um don't plan too much every day was a we never knew what we were doing from one day to the next so it was a yeah a lot of people great. like certainty in their life do you think that taught you the fact you just deal with what comes in front of you and um it did then and i am very good at dealing with what comes along but as i've got older certainty has become much more important to me you were out there for a couple of years and you came back um yeah and eventually within a, a year or so you um you ended up at Saatchi and Saatchi in the yeah. early 80s. Bet that was fun. It was You married by this time. You, yeah, when, we when came you... back. We got married in 1982. Uh, and... You had a little one almost straight away. 84. I had the first one and 86. I had the second one. So, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I freelanced through... through when my first, When my daughter was born, I used to freelance... So I carried her in a little pouch for nine months and I was back in advertising by then, but not at Sarchi's, um, in a studio in Charlotte Street. And until she started crawling um, and there were scalpels on the floor and the rest, she just came with me wherever I went. But um, once she was crawling, it was like, OK, I have to actually get her. Put her in the nursery. <laughs> put her in. Well, I had to, yeah. Get some childcare and go and work. What what did you learn, um, you know, being quite a senior woman in the, the advertising agency is, you know, if you think estate agencies, male driven, my, oh, yeah. my perception of advertising is very male orientated. Especially then in the 80s. How how did you get to the point? Did, did, did you have things put in your way or barriers put in your way that, that, that were specific to your sex? No, um, it's really interesting because I look back on those times and it's almost, we used to use our sex not yep. to achieve, to get what we needed. The whole culture at the time was so different. I mean, uh, you know, between men and women and, the, and all of that interaction, it was, you know, if I knew that I was going to have to deal with a really difficult creative, for instance. So my job was a kind of link between creatives, the thinkers of the ideas and the account people who sold the ideas to clients. If I knew that I was having a really important meeting with one of the creatives, I would dress appropriately so that I would get what I wanted. I mean, I would never dream of doing that now. You're not going to wear a little short skirt and a pair of tights to go into a meeting now. But it kind of worked in those days. So it, it's almost, yeah, it was weird. Um, obviously, the more senior you became, the less important that was. There, was. there was still a respect between men and women. And if you were good at your job, you got on, um, as I did. I mean, I was lucky enough to, you know, make it all the way to the, the board at Sarches. And I was the first woman in the industry to have the role of creative services director. Do you think that inspired other women in the uh, account, in the advertising industry? I think there was a lot of other women doing it as well. I'd like to think it, I did, but I don't, there was no social media in those days. There was nothing to, sh there was nowhere to shout it, you know, like now. You just did your job. You just got on with it. Did, did you, was that your favourite job, do you think? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. It definitely was my favourite job. 
Is it more than a job? It was a career. It was a life. It was a way yeah. of life. Yeah. I, I mean, it was a way of life to the po and everyone at Sarches at that time was in this weird bubble of Sarches. And I mean, the hours were very, very long. We used to live it, breathe it. How did you square that with having two children? I mean, did you suffer from mum guilt? Massive mum guilt because, you know, sometimes, a lot of the time I wasn't there to put them to bed at night. Sometimes I'd go, I'd, if we'd worked a pitch, we worked all night, used to go home in the morning, get them up, get them dressed, go back to work, um, trying to get to things like nativity plays, sports days, I'd go, mobile phones had just come along by then, I'd go, or beepers, I'd go and the phone would beep, the, the beeper would beep, whatever. Um, it was it was a really hard juggle. Your husband, was you still married at this time? Yeah. Did, did he take, did he step up to the mark at the time? He was, he was, yes, he did. He was brilliant with the kids. He was brilliant with putting them to bed. He was, he was at university, so he was studying. So I was the only person working. Um, but he was, he was really good at um, looking after the kids. He was fantastic. How, um, I, I, this doesn't happen, I haven't come across this a lot, but um, I have come across it a number of times where quite obviously, you know, you were the main bread earner, the income provider to the house. How did, how did he square that with, you know, the normal, you know, the normal, the normal thing is the man, the man gets mm -hmm. judged on, the man gets judged on what he brings in with his money. The, and again, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm yep. just saying this is life. And the woman gets, uh, has a little part-time job. Again, I'm not deriding that, just, and brings in a bit of money. Mm. And the balance was almost the other way around in your yeah. relationship. Yeah. Was, how did you square that one off? What advice would you give to someone watching this? I mean, ultimately, it was the marriage failed, and it was it was partly because of that. Um, the the perceived imbalance of your well, ex-husband. No, it, I was I'm not or wasn't good at talking about things. So eventually, I became slightly resentful that it was always me going to work. Um, and I didn't talk about things and it just, it got worse and worse. Um, the advice I would give to anyone who in that situation, where the, where the woman, where is, the woman is working with a bit of the mum guilt, because if you haven't got kids, I don't think it's, I don't know, I wouldn't think it's an issue, but the whole thing of trying to balance a home life and do the cooking and the cleaning and going to work, um, is talk about it because I didn't and ultimately it caused the failure of the marriage I'm sure anyway um I would say to anybody just took if talking. you feel bad about it you've got to talk about it don't leave it don't bury it what advice would you give to men who have a partner who is obviously driving her career and also a mother at the same time do things without being asked. That is the biggest thing that would make, well, certainly would, would have made me happy. It's rather than asking if you can take the washing out of the washing machine or can you cook a dinner, come home one night and let there be a dinner cooked. 
do things, just think about all the different things that your partner does and do some of them without being asked. So unfortunately, your, your marriage broke down in the early 2000s. You were still working in advertising. You still had your kids. How old were your kids in 2000? Uh, 13 and 15. Okay, so, you know, challenging times then. Very difficult for them. Okay. I assume that they, did they stay with you? Yep. yep. Okay. You're still working the long hours, still suffering from the mum guilt. And then illness struck. Yeah. You nearly died. Yeah. What happened? Um, I was in a bar one night uh, after work. I'd been training really hard because I was also training to run the La London Marathon. Um, and I literally passed out <clears throat> on the floor. I hadn't felt quite right all day, but, you know, you just think, well, whatever. Um, passed out on the floor. Someone got me home. Um, and... I, I actually don't remember a lot of what happened, but I know I had a terrible temperature. I was shaking, whatever else. Um, my then partner, who is now my husband, took me to the doctor. They told me to go and take some paracetamol and ibuprofen every two hours. Um, I actually said to the doctors, I'm allergic to ibuprofen. And she said, well, it's not on your records. You need to take it. Um, and Within two days, I was bloated, I was yellow, I couldn't speak. So, so that, was Some liver, massive... that must have been your liver breaking down. Yeah, it yellow. was my liver. Um, um, I was in the right state. Um, and my my mum phoned one day to see how I was, and I was totally incoherent. Um, and she literally just came rushing down. And um, they wanted to take me to hospital. I wouldn't go to hospital because my local hospital, I'd probably, I won't go there. Um, so they took me to a private doctor in Harley Street and all the blood tests and all sorts of things were done from there. What did you have? Don't really know. Um, we never found out. Some Part of it was an ibuprofen allergy um, and he thought that the other part was uh, some strain of Asian flu. But it, it literally, honestly, I, I look at photos of me then. I was six stone. I had no hair. So couldn't you, work. So basically, your organs were packing up. You lost your hair. Yeah. Wow. It was awful. You got better, obviously. Yeah. But what did that experience do for your life? Um, because part of it was probably stress-related, it just made me look at everything and <clears throat> uh, made me... I feel even worse about the fact that I'd missed so much with my kids. Um, but I was determined that I had to change. I had to change things. I, I, I didn't want, I couldn't go back to that lifestyle of, you know, long hours, drinking, all the other things that we used to do. I just knew, well, I didn't want to. It was almost like something came along and went, enough's enough. You just can't do that anymore. Do you think in hindsight it was a gift that it happened? Absolutely, 100%. Tom Panos says sometimes the best presents come worse wrapped. Yeah, yeah. By the sounds of it, this is... Yeah, definitely. I mean, so... I'd been made redundant three times over a period of time, um, and even dealing with a redundancy and then having to face trying to find another job and go again. I mean, that and the chance of actually going to work somewhere else where maybe that 
wouldn't have, I knew I would always be safe. It was a massive. How did you deal with being made redundant all those times? Um, well, the first time I got made redundant, I was actually pregnant with my daughter. Um, it wasn't because you were pregnant, was it? Because no. in, the in the days. No, but you, there was nothing in those days. You know, when I went back to, when I was pregnant with my son, Sarchi said to me, you can have three months off. And if you don't come back in three months, you won't have your job. But that was how, you know. Is it true the stories they said about them? Yeah. <laughs> yes. But you said by the sounds of it, you were becoming to an age now where you wanted a bit more stability in yeah. your life. Yeah. And this, this kind of shook you up, shook it your foundations. It really shook me up. And, and that redundancy thing, you just have to brush yourself down and, and get up and go again. You have to believe in yourself and you have to know that as personal as it, is, it feels to be made redundant, mm. it's a business decision. I can't disagree with you. I, uh, I, I, I've been through it twice. It mm -hmm. hurts at the time. Sometimes, actually, it's opened doors that yeah. you would have done yeah. so. Yeah. So you had a chat with your dad who was running his estate agency so that i think the estate agency peter Mills was run by him and his brother is that right yeah so he'd been asking me for probably years to come into the business and i was like no i love my advertising life and, and then all of this happened and he said to me come and do this do something different and it was just you know like you say have some certainty have a bit of stability go home at six o'clock every night um, and, and know you're safe. And, and actually that was, in my head, it was that, it was a, like a safe thing to do because I'd been so scared about dying and it was a safe route. So a state agency was a choice. I've never heard of that because it was a safe choice. But I had no idea what a state agency was. I didn't, I had no idea. Just seemed much more sensible than advertising. Just as crazy. I know, I know that now. <laughs> so, so the firm is being run by your dad and uh, your uncle, um, and, your, and my cousin Howard, and, 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 and his son yep. was Howard, but he was more on the commercial side, wasn't he? Yep. Was he in the commercial side still then in two thousand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on the commercial side, um, and we had an office in Edgware. Well, we still do have an office in Edgware. So Howard was in Edgware in the North London branch. And um, Dad wanted me to come into the South London branch. How soon were you out there valuing houses? Um, three months. I mean, your dad, your dad's 90 now, which means he was in his early 70s. Yeah. Was he, was basically, do you think he, I mean, 70, early 70s still being an estate agent yeah he's good going yeah but he still wasn't out valuing he wasn't being an estate agent the, the estate agency was kind of run by the people that worked in the estate agency is, is your dad a businessman who just happens to own an estate agency yeah he's a property man who happens to own right yeah. okay so property, he property knows is property love. inside out it has been his life always um so i went into Petermans, I looked around and thought, this is a disaster. Um, fired everyone. I was about to say, how did the, the, the staff feel about basically the, daughter, the owner's daughter being parachuted in? Well, the staff that were there then um, really weren't impressed. 
Um, and because they knew that I'd never worked in a state agency before, they obviously thought that I didn't know what I was doing. But the fact is that within the department I ran in Sarches, I had a team of 40 people. I was responsible for the money. I was responsible for reporting. So you know how to run a business. So, you know how to motivate people. Yeah, you just exactly. Need to... Yeah, you just... I mean, selling houses is simple, isn't it? You, you know. Well, not said it was easy. I never said it was easy, but fundamentally, it's yeah. get the houses on the market, sell the bloody yeah. things, and make sure everyone does their yeah. job. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the simple part. It's not easy, but it's simple. But I didn't like the at that time, the properties that we had on were prop. I wanted better properties. Were you at the the, bo the bottom run then? Yeah. Lower quartile. Yeah, yeah, and I wanted better. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought it was a better idea to just change, change the team, get in people around me that I believed in that actually would support me because I did know I didn't know anything. Um, and that's what I did. Um, so... When do yeah. you think, in your mind, you became an estate agent? It, literally within months. Because I loved it. As I soon as say, I got in there, in I loved it, it. yeah. Because that's the problem with the state agencies. I mean, I still crave. I I would I'd love to get back to the coalface. Yeah, and I st I love valuing. I still love valuing. Yeah, it's I the still best bit. Do I still do value? But um... what do you love about it? Well, one, I'm nosy, so I like looking at other people's houses. I love looking at airing cupboards. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about airing cupboards. I really like looking at other people's decor. I like them. Think, oh, that's a good idea. Um, and I like meeting people. And for me, it's really important if someone's put their trust in you and they've invited you into their home that you take them seriously but hopefully get them to trust you so that you can give them you know the service they deserve how did you get through the 2008 credit crunch because it really did hit london hard i know you bounced back quicker than everyone else but it really did hit you guys hard yeah it did um thank god we've got a very big rental portfolio, that's all I can say. And to anyone starting a business now, I would say have both. Because it is swings and roundabouts. And when one's up, one's down. Um, I mean, that, yeah. Did you ever, ever have any squeaky bum times during that? Or was it, you know, it's hard work, but just gone yeah. on with it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was tough, but yeah, we got through it. You've now been in the estate agency game now for 18 years, nearly 19 years. Um, the last part I want to talk about is the challenges of running a family business. Um, you've got your dad, who's 90 now. Yep. So I'm assuming that he doesn't put his all in and ring you 10 times a day asking how things are. No, he does. Um, have you still got your uncle? No, he no, passed, passed away, away last year. Okay, sorry to hear that. Um, and you've got Howard as well. Have you got any other family in the business? You've got... Uh, yeah, Ben, my son. Ben, your son. Yeah. Talk to me about the challenges of running a family business and, yeah. and what you've done to make things better. Um, it's, really, <clears throat> it's really difficult to separate the personal from the business. So what I found was that whenever we met, whenever I saw my dad, we ended up talking about work, which I, I found really frustrating because I still wanted to be He's your dad. Wendy, yeah. his daughter. Yeah. Um, but I was Wendy, his business partner. 
but I kind of wanted to be that as well because uh, I knew he respected me for my business acumen. And it's still really difficult to kind of make that separation. And it's the same with Ben and I, where <clears throat> our relationships changed because work just, you can't help it. You just end up talking about work at any, at any situation. Howard and I are slightly different because I don't see Howard very often. And we, you know, we love each other to bits and we are each other's absolute support. But it's much easier to talk about work or talk about mm. personal. It doesn't infringe. But both the other two, both, are, it's really difficult to separate it. Can you separate it? No. So is, would your advice be just accept it? Yeah, I, I think you have to in the end because you, you can, you know, you wind up going around the bend trying to make it something it's never going to be. Everyone's got the same goal at the end of the day. And however you try and split it, it, it just... Have you tried lots of different ways yeah, to say, right, I this have. is family town? Yeah, this is... and I've said... It, it, with Ben, it's much easier because he, he feel We've talked about it a lot more. And we've said, right, well, if it's a weekend, we're not going to talk about work. We still do, but we don't talk about it quite as much. It, with my dad, it's just, it's so important to him. It's his life. And whatever I've done to try and say, can we not, you know, he'll, he'll phone me on a Saturday because I've said to him, don't talk about work on the weekends. He'll phone me on a Saturday or a Sunday and go, I know you don't want to talk about this, but, and then off we go. But do you, you know, we all crave the admiration and uh, pat on, proverbial pat on the back from our parents. Do you think the fact that you're involved in the business has, has meant that you've had more of that than probably a normal daughter-father relationship would get? I know that he thinks that I do a great job and he tells me a lot. Um, that so... must be nice because many people don't get the affirmation of their parents. Yeah. It is. It's it's great. But it comes with a price. Yeah. And the price is, you don't switch off. No. But you've got, would your advice be to anyone watching this, just accept that. Don't try and change it. Yeah. Because you can't change him, can you? No, and I wouldn't. Up. And I love him too much to even try. So for me, it's just, that's how it is. My My, now, as he's got older, is trying to manage his fears. He's, Got, he gets, he's got a lot more cautious as he's got older. Well, you said you had got cautious as you were getting Yeah, older. weirdly, yeah. So, um, do, you think I, that, do you think that's just an age thing, that as, as you get older, you do get Yeah, maybe, cautious? yeah, maybe. But I know there's a lot of things I carry that I don't tell him now because he's not there all the time. He doesn't know all sorts of things that go on. It's like, why would he need to? He said. doesn't need to. I don't want, and he is a worrier, as am I. I don't need him to worry all weekend because there's been a leak in a flat or something. Um, or, you know, interest rates have, have had a massive effect and blah, 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 whatever it may be. And Howard and I will always deal with things. And then when it's sorted, we'll go back and tell him that that's what's happened and this is what's happening. You know, it's kind of... Um... Did you have any issues early on about letting, you know, letting go of the reins of power? Or was he, he pretty good at that? No, he's terrible at it. Still. And still. And so am I. So 
like like daughter like like father like daughter yeah absolutely so he's not letting go enough <laughs> and you're not letting it go enough for ben either yeah. he is he is to be fair he is now he's he's definitely he's miles better than he used to be is that because of the type of personality type he is is that he loves to be in control and his biggest fear is probably being taken advantage of by others no it's because his brain just never stops going he he literally just thinks about things he's always thinking well if we did this or okay but that's the difference it's not a control control. thing it's not a control thing is it a control thing with you it's a being rubbish at delegation with me i'm a terrible delegator is that because you're a perfectionist and no one can do the job better i always think i can do it better have you learned that by actually letting go they might not be as good but you can get more done I'm learning that now. How have you learned that? Um, I've been going through a very, very tough few weeks um, <clears throat> and found a mentor through Agents Together, who's amazing. And once I started talking to him, he showed me you know, we talked about stuff. He got me immediately. He's an amazing guy. And uh, talking to him about uh, boundaries and delegation is what I'm working on now. And would you say that you are a happier person in yourself and at work because of that? Not yet, but I will be. This but is... you'll get it. You'll know, you know where the path is. I know the path. I can remember that conversation that we had ooh, good four or five months ago. And I suggested that you took someone on to mentor because yeah. I think that there's advantages like that. there yeah. to helping like a mini me yeah. guide you, but also someone help and guide you yourself because yeah. we don't all know the answers, do we? No. And, and amazingly, you know, you do talk to your mentors. If I could now, I would just be a mentor. I love it. It's just so nice to help other people. Um, but you learn so much from them. Even when you're talking to them and then you say, well, have you thought about doing that? And then you go, I haven't even thought about doing that. That's a really good idea. I'm going to do it myself. You know, but but having a mentor and um, Spencer is my second mentor. So I had one. Spencer Lawrence. Yeah. Wow. He's amazing. You don't get much better than that. No. He's he is top draw. He's. He's really, even in the short time that we've been talking, he's helped me so much. He's in my top five favorite agents in the UK. Well, I haven't met him yet, but I'm going to because he's not that far from me. He's not that far from you, is he? Mm -hmm. Do so. Mm. Top draw. Mm. Absolute top draw. Spinning the plates of a decent estate agency, letting agency in South London, your cousin's running the North London commercial side. You, if you don't mind me saying, because I've known you for a number of years, you seem a lot more at ease with yourself, if you don't mind me saying. That's that's a compliment, by the way. Thank you. What's the future for Wendy Peterman in a state agency? I want to continue building our brand. Um, you know, we started when I first went there. I've rebranded, rebranded the company twice. We've been through the properties we take on now, are, you know, are the properties that I set my heart on winning. Um, but there's still some way to go. You know, there's bigger and better houses but for me i'm in my 60s i'll just keep that vague um 
I don't want to be working when I'm 90. I don't know that I'm not going to be, but I certainly want to try and be a bit more refined about what I want to do. So I'd like to be out doing stuff rather than a lot of the day-to-day -day stuff. Still being part of the firm, but not getting involved with yeah. the minutiae. Yeah. So we have these sons for and, and yeah, colleagues and exactly. staff. <laughs> Wendy, thank you for your time today. You've been very inspirational. I hope oh, you, you boys and girls out there in the state agency land have learned something from Wendy. And on my YouTube channel, we're going to be talking about specific topics, um, including uh, some of my favorite topics like women in a state agency and how to run a family business. So thank you for your time today and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Thank you.